0: Welcome to today's episode of Messing with Media The show where we will bunch up Five
1: random movies Or other media
0: That our host has recently seen Our host will then rank the movies From best to worst Based on five unfinished sentences That need finishing Each sentence is directly correlated To a media-themed category and each category determines where that movie ranks. First, let's take a look at our five categories and their ranking. Going from worst to best, they are VHS, Laserdisc, Beta Max, DVD, and Blu ray. Or even better, the title of 4K Blu ray. Our host will receive the aforementioned five sentences, which will each need to be completed through the use of one of the five aforementioned movie's titles. Five movies, five sentences. Last, but not least, there are two categories that may be used as wildcards, lifelines of sorts. Those are film and digital copy. Now, please welcome your host. Steve hey hey how is everybody doing today fantastic I hope now that you are all caught up on the rules let's meet and get to know a little bit about today's contestants on with right after this short break
1: Uh, boss, we don't have any sponsors who paid for this time slot.
0: Welcome back to
2: today's episode, which I originally titled A Dark Passenger, which works really well for four out of five of these properties, but if taken literally for that other property, I could be labeled as insensitive. Thus... I decided it would be wise to alter the title and we get Dark Forces. Let's meet our contestants. First up is the show Shadow and Bone,
1: which is a Netflix original. It's an action, fantasy, adventure, drama, rated TV 14, and thanks to Rotten Tomatoes and a little bit of self-editing, it says... Shadow and Bone finds us in a war-torn world where a lowly soldier and an orphan Alina Starkov discover the key to setting their country free. With the monstrous threat of the Shadow Fold looming as their adventures unfold, they find their allies and enemies can be one and the same, and that nothing is what it seems. There are dangerous forces, ...at play, including a crew of charismatic criminals, and it will take more than just magic to survive. Up next
2: is the movie, The Woman in the Window,
1: which is a Netflix original. It is a crime, drama, mystery, rated R, and straight from Netflix's mouth, it says, "...confined to her home by agoraphobia, a psychologist becomes obsessed." with her new neighbors, and solving a brutal crime she witnesses from her window.
2: Next is the show Jupiter's Legacy,
1: which is another Netflix original series. It's an action-fantasy-adventure-drama rated tv MA. and according to IMDb, it says, "...the first generation of superheroes has kept the world safe for nearly a century." Now, their children must live up to their legacy in an epic drama that spans decades and navigates the dynamics of family, power, and
2: loyalty. And here we have the movie Tom Clancy's Without Remorse,
1: which is currently residing on Amazon Prime. It's an action thriller. It's rated R. And thanks to right-hand side of Google, It says, seeking justice for the murder of his pregnant wife, an elite Navy SEAL uncovers a covert plot that threatens to engulf the United States and Russia in an all-out war.
2: And our fifth piece of media is the movie Stowaway.
1: Which is also a Netflix original. It's a sci-fi drama rated TV, ma. And thanks to my own writing... Since every description online gives away a surprise, it says, A small crew is on a mission to Mars as unplanned events put their mission in jeopardy. With no other choice but to take action, the crew faces multiple obstacles which force them to make decisions that could affect their own lives and or the lives of others aboard.
2: Before I begin, remember... I am allowed one pass for the primary five categories or sentences. By using a pass, I then must use a lifeline at some point. Those lifelines are film and digital copy. VHS or Laserdisc must be chosen before I can use a lifeline. So, let's begin with the fifth ranked selection. I'm locking in Jupiter's Legacy.
0: VHS. Secret sentence is, no, I do not recommend blank. Before
2: we get going, as a side note, everything that I'm about to say are notes that I wrote prior to the final episode of the show. Jupiter's Legacy is obviously Netflix's response, or version, I guess, of The Boys from Amazon Prime. Although the production design is not poorly done, a lot of it is quite silly and similarly, although I don't hate the use of very simple aging techniques instead of having overly complex and or well-done techniques or digital techniques for aging, I do have issues with what they did in this movie. I, I don't hate, you know, just tossing a gray wig on someone to show that they are older and maybe a couple gray lines on the face of makeup because I'm okay with asking your audience to quote-unquote play along but between all of the jumping um, back in time into the late 1920s and early 1930s where we see some of these actors who are playing people who are essentially the actors current real world ages with the primary timeline of the show being current day so like 90 years after there are some major issues with the appearance of a few of these people my understanding is that they age more slowly than a human without powers but it's it just still doesn't add up to me and for reference mostly I am referring directly to Josh Duhamel 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 I don't know and his wife in the show Um, speaking of our main character's wife, her chemistry with Josh's brother, uh, Jupiter's brother is much better than it is with her husband, which can be a bit distracting in and of itself. And it feels like those two should have been the ones getting married instead of our main two characters. Speaking of the brother, his name is Walt. He is by far the most interesting character in this show. I don't think that's intended. And speaking of interesting or not, for the most part, characters are not very interesting in this show. Most surprisingly, based on the early episodes, Chloe is unfortunately incredibly uninteresting. Um, And I say it it was surprising to me because I thought her character was really going to be interesting based on those early episodes. But it's clearly choreographed that you know she's gonna have her own redemption story in a future season so i'm not really sure that we're actually supposed to like her at this point anyways i just don't like how they handled her storyline so far it it really stinks it's pretty bleh. it's tough to tell who exactly the target audience is for this show there's a lot more drama than there is action and 95 percent of the show feels like it has a tv 14 rating at the most, with only short spurts of R-rated material mixed in every now and again. The main themes the show's creators wanted to explore are pretty clear, I'll give them that, and I think there is some exploration of those themes, but mostly only on the surface. On that topic, the main theme that they seem to be aiming for goes something along the lines of, quote-unquote, times change and... I'm not quoting anyone actually. Times change, and sometimes old traditions need to die while we need to be more accepting of new ideologies that come with the changes that occur in society as society evolves. That seems to be the, to me, one of the main ideals that they were pushing. The strongest technical aspect of the show is probably the score. I think there is a good amount of potential with this show for future seasons, but I probably won't give it a shot unless I'm hearing, you know, a lot of good buzz surrounding future seasons. So, no, I do not recommend Jupiter's Legacy. Next, I'm going to log in Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Laser disc.
0: The secret sentence is blank succeeded in some areas but failed in others.
2: The movie kicks right off with action from the moment it starts. It feels like you are actually playing a really fun map in a first-person shooter video game without all of the stupid GoPro-type footage that has seemed to be semi-popular to create that effect. It's a camera technique that I hate, so I'm glad they didn't implement that. Early on, I had some major sound mixing issues. The voices are darn near half as quiet as the sound effects. I had to turn on subtitles because of the difference in volume between explosions and whatnot and the voice work. I don't know if that was ever resolved in the movie. I know later on in the movie I had turned the volume up a little bit more and I didn't really have that issue as much for like the last half hour. I wrote a couple of notes at approximately the 1 hour and 10 minute mark. First... I once again made comment about how much I enjoy the action scenes, specifically when they are in combat, or like warlike scenarios, maybe not so much all of the action scenes, but those ones specifically. And second was about the storyline, which I felt was so so. Very shortly after writing that note, for the second time. They're filling, they're having to fill in a lot of the story with exposition. It's not like that's the worst thing in the world, but it's clear that they had a lot to condense, this being based on a Tom Clancy novel. But they chose to fill the movie with action instead of story and substance, and that is felt. I really like that this movie feels like it's a bit of a throwback to these types of action movies from, like, the 90s, for instance. Uh, Before, it felt like every action hero needed to have an entire franchise and that they were just unstoppable. Instead of being unstoppable, John Kelly, our main character, is simply a badass who is very good at his job in comparison to the typical, like, John Wicks and Jason Bournes of the modern action star films i should note right about that time that i wrote that note the movie shifted a bit more towards your typical franchise lead type role but still john kelly always has a team that he's working with and he always needs them in this movie at least we shall see what might happen if there are any sequels which hollywood can and will do when they see fit no matter how a first movie ends. If you listened to part two of my I'm Back episode, Johnsy, the artist who did the score for this movie, did a very nice job of accentuating the action and emotions in the movie without trying to take front stage. I love a great score that takes control of a movie, but there's definitely something to be said for soundtracks like the one in this movie, that lie in the background a bit and just simply work with what is happening on screen. Michael B. Jordan, who plays John Kelly, is a very talented actor. I wouldn't say he's top-notch yet, but he definitely has that potential with him to take a series like this and, you know, make make more John Kellys. (laughs) Ultimately, this movie was very much a mixed bag with more issues than not, and for that reason, I felt... Tom Clancy's Without Remorse succeeded in some areas, but failed in others. Here, I'm going to be locking in The Woman in the Window.
0: Max. The Secret Sentence is, you could watch blank and or you could watch any of these three similar movie options
2: quick heads up, I did have a request for a review on this movie, so I'm putting a bit of a spotlight on it. I've reworded some of the following notes, but up until I say otherwise, these were the notes from while I was watching the movie. The movie has a strong start. I know exactly what kind of movie that I'm going to be getting into based on the soundtrack and the visuals. The main protagonist, it seems is depressed and or recovering from some sort of severe depression or an inciting incident to the point that she doesn't even leave her home she's been a shrink for 15 years and she currently has a colleague as her own shrink who comes to her home she's on a mood elevator which is called elevan a play on the word elevate which is what antidepressants are supposed to do for your mood, elevate it. I don't know. I thought that was uncreatively creative. Um, So she drinks on top of that. She spies on all of her neighbors. Think, you know, inner city living where everybody can see everyone. And she is very paranoid. The new neighbor's son stops by, and he says they quote-unquote Had to leave Boston. That's odd wording, and it was only one of many red flags that I am sensing from this boy at this point. I thought the movie was nicely set up overall. Maybe it was a bit paint by the numbers. Not even maybe. It is paint by the numbers. But it's a formula that's worked for a very long time, and will continue to work. Not far into the movie, I wrote a note which stated... I sure hope someone murders that kid's mom. When you see it, you'll know who I'm talking about. To add to this growing list of question marks for our protagonist, there is mold at her house as well, and we also find out that she's actually in the middle of adjusting her meds, and I'm going to go adjust my AC. One moment. I like a lot of the little things about the camera work in this movie, It was well done, really well done even. There is a revelation around the 1 hour and 15 mark, a little past. David is a smart man. This seems like a case of writing out information that would have solved the main plot of this movie much quicker. That's obnoxious, and it's not the only time that this movie uses typical movie tropes to create fake tension. When I say fake, I don't mean that the tension itself is fake, just that in the real world, events would never occur in such a manner. And my last note from while watching the movie was the following. The movie takes a turn into typical horror movie schlock during the final act, and Jason Voorhees actually makes an appearance in this movie. Not literally, but um, disappearing Jason Voorhees makes appearance during the climax. You'll know. When you see it. Alright, that was my last note. So, after thoughts here, unfortunately, the movie is fairly predictable, and I don't think that it is easily identical as to why, and I don't think everyone would agree with me on that statement. If I had to finger the culprit, it would be the writing. A second culprit would be the directing and/or the acting of our main protagonist. She's too likable, and I can't really say anything further without potentially spoiling things that is mysterious enough to only mess with you more while you are watching the movie (laughs) i'll add a third culprit too the score clues you in too much in a way that is the exact opposite of the score in tom clancy's without remorse where the soundtrack sat in the background and accentuated the story Although I did think the score was very nicely done here, I also think that it took too much of a control of the story and it gave up too much information. I felt that they did a really nice job of layering reasons to doubt our protagonist. I felt, for the most part, they did a good job of hiding the reveals, regardless of me being tricked or not. I still questioned myself many times throughout the movie. And I think they also did a nice job of cluing you into what's actually happening without it being super clear. All these things should add up to a less predictable movie, typically, but not for me, not in this instance. My last note, as was, that this movie just feels like a really well-done ID channel slash lifetime channel movie. And so... You could watch The Woman in the Window, and or you could watch any of these other three options I will provide for you. For these suggestions, I'm sticking to the theme of who you can trust slash not being able to trust those who are most near you in one way or another, or even are you, aka the protagonist, trustworthy yourself? With that in mind, I think I've come up with three really good options that each pull from a different aspect of a woman in the window if you recall the woman in the window is considered a drama thriller mystery first up is going to be the movie disturbia which is going to be like your thriller mystery and not so much a drama if you're into that whole stuck at home or stuck in a single location with you know having the crazy neighbor trope as well i would give disturbia a watch instead Next up, it's going to be the movie Winter's Bone, which is going to kind of lack the thriller aspect. It's more of a drama mystery. And if you're into a bit more of a sentimental, real world type story, I use the word sentimental loosely here. Probably not the right word, but if you're more into the drama of like an IT channel or a lifetime channel type product, I would give Winter's Bone a watch instead. Not that I would consider, like, The Winter's Bone doesn't come off as that type of movie, but it has that kind of drama. And then, we've got One Hour Photo, which is gonna be not so much a mystery, but it does have a drama and thriller aspect to it. If you want something that is a bit creepier, and that leans into the psychopathological, definitely give this movie a watch instead. I'm going to use my pass on DVD and use my lifeline here. I'm locking in
0: stowaway. The secret sentence is, I don't recommend blank for everyone. However, if you dot,
2: dot, dot. About half an hour into the movie, and I was just starting to wonder if there would if. You no, no, yeah. I was just starting to wonder if there would, if we would ever find out what the mission actually was that these people are on. I was guessing that it did not matter to the plot, but it was bugging me. I enjoyed the chemistry between Zoe and David. I thought it was kind of cute. And then as the movie went on, I noticed uh, it didn't seem that Tony Collette's Australian accent was always there. Specifically, in some shorter dialogue moments, I really noticed it. it takes until nearly an hour into the movie before the primary issue of the movie actually surfaces. Following a note about that, I wrote... Couldn't they set up a chat with the dude's family, at least? it will make sense when you see the movie, or if you've seen it. There is a mission that two of the crew members have to go on. I won't say any more detail, but holy bejesus. They did a wonderful job of making the viewer feel like we are in the position of those crew members. Honestly, my knees were weak, and my palms were were sweaty so the movie is long and it is drawn out but i felt it was worth the wait in my i'm back part two episode i mentioned it was quite the mashup of actresses to have tony collette and anna kendrick in the leading roles although that's not exactly the case those are just like the two marketable names but having those two side by side in the same movie Uh, was surprising to me, and I wondered how that would work. And yes, I was inferring that Tony was a superior actress. I thought each character in this movie was very well portrayed by the actors or actresses. I did not feel that there was a weak link amongst the bunch, and I cared for each one of the characters as well. Ultimately, I don't recommend Stowaway for everyone. However, if you are someone who can get through an entire hour's worth of setup and... Almost barely set up, unexciting setup, and you can enjoy a good and simple story with a um, few bells and whistles. I think you should give this movie a watch. I found the majority of the climax to be well worth it. And that leaves us with Shadow and Bone. Let's lock it in.
0: Blu ray. The secret sentence is I think you should watch blank. I really enjoyed it.
2: Shadow and Bone is really well produced. I thought Callahan Skogman, the actor who plays Matthias Helvar, was one of, if not the best actor in the entire show. So I googled him. And not only is the dude's... Is this show the dude's first role but he's also from a small town that's just a half hour away from my essentially hometown where i just moved from an area i am very familiar with of course and i do believe i recall hearing about him as he like earlier on in his life as he was a highly touted basketball prospect while he was in high school i promise you the events i just explained happened in that order i didn't i didn't know who the heck he was until i googled him there isn't any poor acting in the show, but some of it is, I'll say, you know, borderline only okay, I guess, or, I mean, not borderline, it's it's, it's okay, it's fine. All around, the production on the show is almost top-notch. Some of it is top-notch. And some of the acting is wonderful, too, by the way. There is a fair amount of world-building for the first few episodes, and those episodes can drag on a bit if you are not yet invested, which... I guess I wasn't, but if you find yourself drifting off, I really suggest sticking through those early episodes because A, this season gets really, really fun in episode 4, and B, I think this series is going to get even better, and it's not Game of Thrones-level amazing. I don't know that it ever will be, but it is very good, and that is why I think you should watch Shadow and Bone. I really enjoyed it. If I had to guess, and... If I were to use the Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb scores as a guide, this list is probably the most controversial list on this show yet. But I stand by it. Uh, and in order to give you a little bit more information, it's very likely that Jupiter's Legacy would have been like number two on a lot of people's lists here. And it's also very, very likely that the order of my number four through number two wouldn't hold much water on most people's lists either. A... I'd like you to remember that this list is not necessarily what I think is, you know, like a best to worst list and be the sentences are the biggest driving factor. And most often the tiebreaker when things are tight and, and yeah, they're they're the driving factor, not necessarily do I think this is best, this is worst, but at the same time I am trying to create, you know, where do I end the episode right here, putting these movies in an order. So let's start from the best to the worst. At number one was Shadow and Bone. Number two was the movie Stowaway. Number three, The Woman in the Window. Number four, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. And at number five was the series show Jupiter's Legacy.